Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone, and uh, welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. You know, Mac. We've heard people saying we don't have parity in college football anymore. It's just Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma, and we're bored. Well, you ain't bored anymore because this weekend was insane in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But before we get into it, Mac, let's remind our listeners, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on the Twitter machine at Kelly Graham, like at Eric McLean, Instagram as well. Keep up with the show as we enter into our second set of 100 episodes. Hello, Eric McLean. How are you? <laughs> That's right. Come on. I, I like that. How about celebrate 100? That, that was such a fun episode and, and really had some you know cool feedback from folks on the Twitter machine, as you said, and, and just Richmond, man. Thank you so much. Did such a great job. But KJ, you mentioned it. We're, we're on a roller coaster. And, and, you know, I think it's it's expected, right? We have coastal chaos. Everybody knows that. But how about some Atlantic anarchy? I, I'm going ahead and coining that. Our, our producer uh, from the huddle over there, Claire Atkins, I think she kind of spit that out there. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's it. it. But I, I don't know what the heck is going on. All I know is the ACC is more wide open this year than maybe – not not ever, clearly, but in our lifetime, in my college lifetime, ever, and cannot wait to see how this just ends up. And there, it's going to be a great race. All these teams, you know, still a ton that have to play each other that are kind of at the upper echelon of the conference right now, and we'll see where it ends up. That's right, Mac. We have three ranked in the AP poll this week. NC State 23rd, Wake 24th, Clemson 25th. Clemson falls out of the top 10 for the first time since 2015, I believe it was 97 polls. And I want to start with this, Mac, because I know we have some Clemson fans and some UNC fans listening today that are disappointed and are not exactly loving the Atlantic anarchy. And I get that. And there's a ton to be disappointed in. But as an overall, if you're an overall um, consumer of the ACC, there is intrigue because you truly have no idea what's going to happen. NC State fans are feeling great. Wake Forest fans. How about a little Boston College? I mean, th those fan bases are feeling really good, Mac. And here's the question I was thinking as I was watching Clemson for the fourth straight week. I was in Raleigh at the game. Should they even be top 25? Like what? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, I think the if, best if they win, didn't, yeah, if they didn't have the, Georgia Tech, if they didn't have the paw on their helmet, if they didn't have seven years of dominance yeah. beforehand, and this was just truly a blank slate, then the answer is no. I mean, there's no shot. But I did find it interesting going from nine to twenty-five uh, this week for Clemson. You know, it's crazy to see the falls that we are from some of these schools, especially the week before Virginia Tech going from fifteen to out, yeah. losing on the road as an underdog. So. AP poll kind of back on my my bad list here. The fact that uh, you know Virginia Tech after all those teams lost this week isn't ranked. The fact that Boston College undefeated isn't ranked. Uh, the, the the AP poll they do a great job at kind of seeing who everyone else voted for, and then they'll be like, oh yeah, maybe these guys slide in this week. So I I really can't wait, Kelly, until those college football playoff rankings come out. Um, just a lot more thought process, a lot more educated people on the entire sport, not just a little, you know, local writer that covers uh, Central Connecticut State that is voting for shots for their fight. state. There. I, I'm excited for that. 
Mac, I hear you. I hear you. We'll, we'll say this. The winner of Clemson BC this weekend will be ranked. The loser will not. Facts. I think we can all agree <laughs> yeah. on that. That is, that is absolutely correct. No, there's no question. But guys, before we jump into this episode, because we're going to get into a deep dive today, we want to tell you about our friends over at On3 from the founders of Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports. On3 aims to be the college sports destination for fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle that distinguishes college football from other major sports. And man, is it doing it right now this year, KG, that the chaos across the country, so many ranked teams have lost. I should have got that number before we started doing this episode, but this weekend again, so many more. Uh, but what's so great about On3 is they combine three unique businesses into one company. They have the national news of what I just spoke about, this ever-evolving landscape that is college football. They have the fan sites that provide the local presence that capture the passion of the and the voice of the fans throughout the team-based coverage. And then lastly, the database that is so close. It's almost here. I cannot wait to dive into that. That's going to be the ultimate interactive resource ranging from recruiting profiles all the way to the NFL draft. Speaking of fan sites, Mac, our friend Matt Connolly does a great job with the Clemson Sports page. And each week you and I will be posting in the Tiger's Den about Clemson, but also about the ACC as a whole. We would love to answer questions about Clemson and the ACC. Give you guys more in-depth analysis over there on the Tiger's Den. And we are very excited when other ACC team sites are created, which we hear is coming down the pike at some point. We'll be posting on those as well. So stay tuned and check out on3.com for everything you need to know about college football. And you mentioned that that Tiger Den, Kelly. You know, that, that can also be some venting sessions, some some you know, yeah. compassionate, just if you need to talk, if anybody needs to talk, we're here for you. And we'll be in the Tigers Den. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we'll be, Mac. Well, you know what? Let's start. Let's start with this because the Tigers were in the the Wolf's Den on Saturday. <laughs> You get what they I'm were, saying? They were, for sure. <laughs> yes, I was in the Wolf's Den, and the game How was... How was that environment first, before it we was dive awesome. into the... It was, was awesome, it? yeah. I wish we were there. Gosh, It was man. a great environment, and NC State fans were loud. They were rowdy. The students really brought it. And there were a good amount of Clemson fans there, too. Um, but it was packed till the very end. And it's, it's what makes college football great, because, look, <laughs> and we're going to dive into this game, but... In the NFL, you're not going to see really two. I mean, you're not going to see the poor sweet kicker miss all those kicks and and keep the game close. And and the miss at the end was just unbelievable when you think of the history between these two programs. And then at the end, Mac, the rushing of the field and things like that. You don't get that at the highest level. Yeah, you might not get some missed kicks. You got Justin Tucker making a 66 yarder, but you don't have the passion and and the the pageantry as we talked about but also just the long suffering nature of NC State against Clemson <laughs> you think back to the kick that did not go in in Death Valley I mean NC State fans were just like I was seeing Mac I'm walking out of the stands I didn't see anyone crying tears of joy but I did see people taking pictures like with the field storming in the background hugging relatives just trying to remember the moment and it felt like the entire lower deck rushed the field I I really couldn't see yeah. green anymore after the field was rushed. It was it was awesome. It was awesome to see. So I have a, a couple follow ups for that. So Grant Gibson, center, love that guy. Very well spoken. Is just an amazing player and then a great man as well. You know he tweets out. I'm going to talk about this with my grandkids. You know this was the best night ever. The best decision I ever made was to to uh, come to NC State. 
Uh, and then follow-up question for you. Was that the loudest um, away game that you've ever been to for Clemson? No, no. I'm, it, it was loud. It was loud. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I mean, it's hard to tell on TV because it sounded amazing. Look, it was very loud. It was very loud. But oh, Wolf, Wolfpack I've, Nation's about to come after you. Look, You're I've done. seen a You're Clemson done. game in Georgia, and that that. Oh, okay. Game was well, yeah, yeah, that's not fair. But that's like for an ACC like stadium. More people. Yeah, 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 for sure. An ACC stadium, perhaps. Yeah, I I haven't been to a Virginia Tech a Virginia Tech game or Florida State, so I can't speak to that. And I'm sure those are really loud. It, it was loud, but it was kind of, you know, I think both fan bases were just Uneasy. Nervous, yeah, nervous the whole time. <laughs> and, Mac, let's be clear, because let's dive into this game. There wasn't much to cheer about. Neither no. team could really no. score. No. And NC State, look, they had the ball for 42 minutes of a 60-minute game. And they only scored 14 in regulation. It was a lot of dink and dunk. They were fighting the soft spots in the zone. And they were doing a great job of that. But – Neither team really put on an offensive clinic. There were penalties all over the place. But let's start with this from the Clemson perspective, Mac. How do you only possess the ball for 18 minutes? Like, how does that even happen in a football game? I'll tell you, they had eight three and outs and couldn't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it was terrible to watch that. The, the, the lack of, and this is going to be, seems like, going to be a weekly kind of vent session here for someone that played for them. Uh, no drive, no creativity, no execution, and it's you know it's it's funny to see um you know fans quote unquote say man the play calling is this and that well guess what the play calling doesn't matter if you can't block and you can't do anything anyway so if i'm calling the most basic play we have in our offense and y'all can't even run that right why am i running anything else like it, it's all it, it's all added up together and i did a tape on the huddle last saturday where basically we broke it all down because i'm tired of seeing you know anybody not just fans but but analysts and and other folks say oh it's just dj it's just the offense it's not it is every single piece of this offense is not clicking and it's it's honestly crazy to look at it's it's crazy to see how quickly something like this can happen and in the same breath kg it just goes to show you how special a player like trevor lawrence was how special a player like travis Etienne was and EJ, you know, he he kind of coined this new phrase this weekend, called them erasers. You know, they erased problems. You know, that they were able to hide things, um, you know, for the last three, four years of their careers. And so, you know, not, again, this team is talented. There's talent everywhere you look. But can the talent perform together in one form in unison and make it happen? We saw glimpses of it. We, we saw an amazing dime from DJU for, for a big touchdown. We saw another one in overtime to Jay Ross and, and moving the ball effectively, but it only happened about five times out of uh, you know the, the 30 plays that they did get or 40 plays that they did get. So got to figure it out. Uh, it, it's going to be a very, very long season for the Tigers if this is the continued effort and, and execution, especially with some of the injuries that we saw uh, to, to Shipley. And now the defense, I mean, potentially out two All-American candidate uh, defensive tackles, you know, not, don't know the the full extent of Brian's injury yet. Looked very serious the way that he was on the sideline and and really tearing up there. And then with Skowski, you know, how, how serious is that shoulder injury? Is it, is it just a stinger? Did it kind of pop out of place, go back into place? You know, not sure there, but, you know, want to get this to NC State because they deserve it. And, and they played 
out of their minds. Our keys to the game, actually, Kelly, for each of these big four games were very accurate. And, you know, the team that Look won. Look at us. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's good to be right once in my life. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, my key to the game for NC State was to be able to move the ball in offense. And that's what they did. Devin Leary was very effective. It was dink and dumps, but it was dink and dumps at the right times. And it was great shots to Emeka Mezzi, who just seemingly plays like Superman every time he sees Clemson line up across from him. He had an amazing game, 14 catches, 116 yards, a big touchdown. The first touchdown scored on Clemson this year. Devin Carter had a huge game, big number 88, and then Thayer Thomas as well. All three, the big three uh, wide receivers for NC State had a huge game. And then I mentioned Devin Leary, 32 of 44, 238 yards, four tutties, and just, I mean, his throws look confident. Um, you know, when he stepped up and made strikes, he really did. But the biggest thing of this whole whole deal, Kelly, was the the NC State defense. I, I mean, they played so hard, played lights out. Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas were just playing out there like like men possessed. I mean, they were flying around, not allowing Clemson, you know, to really do anything. Isaiah Moore, eight tackles, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hurries. And then with Big Drake, what he was able to do, just an enforcer, making plays, got a big interception. Uh, that that defense is for real, and, and they played their hearts out in uh, Carter-Finley. I thought the linebackers were huge, as you mentioned, for NC State. We know that's the, the real strength of their defense, and even without Peyton Wilson, those guys showed up. I thought they messed with DJ. I, I thought DJ, they had DJ confused. And especially when you have third and six, third and seven, they can just blitz the crap out of you. And I think the protection issues all across the board, uh, there were protection issues all across the board for Clemson, blocking at all the levels. Like wide receiver blocking, I saw a play today where Justin Ross just completely missed a block, even though he kept Clemson in the game. Um, the running back, Shipley and Pace, were getting absolutely blown up by linebackers. And then the line, you know, pull in, but you're too late. I, it was a combination of everything, but I think you have to give a ton of credit to NC State because – that defense played like they wanted it more, and they confused DJ. And that's what – you're right, Mac. It's puzzling because DJ made some superhuman throws in that game. Like the, the first drive, he – Shipley doesn't pick up a protection. He finds his way out of it and hits Engada, I believe. Ridiculous. The throw to Justin Ross in the back of the end zone, insane. But Devin Leary, he, he was consistent for four quarters. That's the difference. He was consistent. He took exactly what the defense was giving him. Boom, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And then he made some great throws in overtime. So, you know, DJ probably, if you just are taking him one highlight from the game, you'd say, oh, wow, look at that throw by DJ. But if you're looking at four quarters plus two overtimes, Devin Leary was the better quarterback. And that's why talent is not ever going to be a question with Clemson. We've seen it. We've seen the flashes. And we know that, you know, DJ has the ability to be – just superhuman and, and unbelievable, but it's the it's the consistency that you just mentioned and, and being able to do it over and over and over. And when things aren't there, you know, his first read's not there, go through your progression and we're just not yeah. seeing that. He's building there are a lot of plays where his his head just looks to one exactly. side of the field exactly. the entire time. And he's time. building snowballs and then he, you know, you get sacked two or three times by a team that had two sacks going into the entire game. And, and it's just yeah. it, it's it's just not a collective effort. Have to execute better. Um, you know, putting yourself in a little bit of a hole here, you know, with your uh, goals and what you want to accomplish in the league and you know, certainly playoff contention, uh, you know, crazy things can happen, but it's probably not a playoff year for the Tigers this year.
Yeah, probably not. And when you think about the Atlantic and Atlantic anarchy, NC State now has the tiebreaker over Clemson. So keep that in mind when you lose to a someone in your division. That's huge. And NC State's only loss is outside of the league. Mac, if you if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to. Because you don't like you always say, you're not in the meetings. You don't have all the information. If you were Streeter or Tony Elliott, would you give Tyson Pumachon more reps in practice this week and maybe give him a series against Boston College? I'm glad you asked this, KG. Um, I spoke with with Coach Mark Richt about this, and he's actually we we kind of wanted to wait. We were going to do it in the night show, uh, but just really wanted to capture everybody and, and th- thought strategically that would be better to to wait to next Saturday. And so we're going to get his answer, and you'll, it'll be way better from him. But uh, I asked him. I said, "Have you ever dealt with anything like this?" And you know, because there there's so many Clemson fans saying, "Play somebody else, get somebody else in there." Um, and so I just wanted to ask him, you know, have you seen this before? And he said, yeah, with Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward, uh, by the way, was a Heisman Trophy winner, national champion. Really? And so Charlie, his, I guess, first year starting as the, the full-time starter, very identical situation, was terrible. Threw picks all the time, couldn't make decisions, got sacked, just wasn't able to run the offense. There just wasn't anybody really behind him. And, and so they had to stick with Charlie for his confidence. They had to stick with him and ultimately work him out of that funk. And he ended up being one of the best quarterbacks in FSU history. So he'll spell it out a lot better and kind of reasons why they, they did or didn't do that. You know, I think Tyson is a, is a great runner. Uh, we, we have seen his passing at times, you know, kind of struggle and be really what we're seeing from DJ anyway. Um, so it, it's just a, the ultimate thing I think KG is is confidence and just mental with quarterbacks. You just have to be yes. careful because it's yes. one of the, if not the toughest positions to play in all of sports. No doubt. Well, we'll see what Clemson does this week. And it's interesting because they're facing a backup quarterback who looked really good for Boston College. We will get to BC in our Big Four breakdown. But let's get to the Friday night game here, Mac, between Wake Forest and UVA. Wake Forest looking like one of the best, if not the best team in the ACC right now, they can score points. And their defense, what their defense did to this Virginia team that just scored 50 the week before was really impressive. Wake wins the game 37-17. to 17. It really wasn't ever close after that um, first quarter and really after halftime. What impressed you about the Deeks, Mac? Really, the, the quick start on the road. I mean, to go up 20-3 to three at halftime uh, was very impressive. And, and you know, we I thought that... Not thought, I know, historically, Virginia plays like superheroes at home. And so that's why I picked Virginia going into this one. I thought they would stand up to the task, really, you know, just play great at home. And, man, it wasn't the case. And and the reason why, their defense is bad. Their defense is very, very bad. And and so that is tough. You look at time of possession. You look at what they're able to do. Um, You know, Wake just at will, could do whatever they wanted. So Sam Hartman is playing very well right now. Three touchdowns, played really effective. Used his legs you know, at times when he needed it. The collective rushing defense from Virginia was better, but you know, still 200 yards rushing from Wake Forest. Honestly, could do whatever they wanted. The most impressive thing you know, about this game, KG, was, was just the defense of Wake. I mean, six sacks, nine tackles for loss. These guys are playing at a very high level, and and if everybody remembers coming into this season, that was kind of our question mark. Okay, can these guys defensively, can they stop anybody? We know they're going to score points. We know they're going to score 35-plus. What does the defense 
look like, listen to these stats, KG. Number five in turnovers gained. Number five in red zone defense. Number five in interceptions. Number five in fourth down defense. Number nine in scoring defense. Those aren't ACC numbers. Those are national numbers. These guys are playing out of their mind on defense, and the offense is is able to capitalize. We know what we're getting from the offense. And, And so they're playing really, really well. It's so impressive to see. You look at the keys of the game. We talk about it again, create turnovers. They got two extra opportunities, got them quickly, and were able to really capitalize. Brennan still playing like Superman. I think that's his third straight 400-yard game, uh, just really executing at a high level. The The key is his his just defense. They're, they're putting, it's kind of like Clemson in the fact that it, it's reversed. Clemson's offense is putting so much pressure on their defense. Now we saw that break. Virginia's defense is putting so much pressure on the on the Virginia offense. Now we see them break two games in a row here. And it's uh, just when, when you don't have balance in your team, it's tough. And, and unfortunately, you see losses. Well, and even more so the balance with UVA because they can't run the ball at all. And Wake Forest was balanced. Wake had a very balanced offensive attack. That is really killing Virginia right now. If you look at our three games, the first three games in the Big Four, not as much with Louisville, FSU, but with Clemson, NC State, NC State was more balanced, they won. Wake, Virginia, Wake was more balanced, they won. BC, Missouri, BC was more balanced. They were able to run the ball. And really, it's which team can run the ball. And all three of the teams that could run the ball. That's college football, KG, come on. And (laughs) that's college football, that's right. And Wake, they won the turnover margin, as you said. They're ranked. Hopefully they're well, not see, reading their own headlines. Listen, listen to this. So we were lucky have... enough. We had Sam Hartman come on the show, okay. right? Super cool. We had a really good guest list, by the way. I hope we're kind of setting a standard. And yes, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, do, do that. you want to we'll talk do, about we'll wrap Doran? up with those guys? But we had we had Hartman come on the okay. uh, Saturday morning. You know, after the big game, this guy could have been at you know brunch with his girlfriend or his mom, and instead he wants to come and talk with the huddle. Um, he was amazing. Just so calm, cool, and collect. I don't think that coaching staff, their culture, I don't think it'll allow them to read the press clippings, KG. Now, it'll be interesting, you know, if they get top 10 uh, and, and, you know, some some a lot of attention starts coming that way, can you keep that going? But, you know, if they if they ride in that, you know, teens to, you know, middle of the pack group, at least for a while, I mean, these guys can be dangerous. And just hearing Sam, I asked him, you know, why, why is Coach Clawson not respected better on a national scale? And he said... He's not the sexy guy. He he's not going to go out there and be in the press and do commercials and do this and that. He's a football coach and he scores points and wins games. And I was just like, that's exactly right. That's who he is. And, and the culture just trickles down from him to this entire team. And uh, this team is special. Uh, I'm very excited to see can they keep going. You and I sat here doing our preview show and said, hey, look. We would not be shocked if Wake is undefeated rolling into Chapel Hill, and now maybe that game is looking a little bit better for them even as we yeah. go in this season. So, Wake Forest, uh, we, we see you, and uh, we're excited to see where you can go. This is such a developmental program, as we've talked about so much, Mac, and they've got numerous sixth-year guys. I mean, this is a great year for Wake because there are a lot of programs that Either people leave after three years or you just you don't have six year players. I mean, obviously you bring COVID into it, but I think that's really showing for Wake. Their culture is showing through. And just a, a peek at their schedule. Louisville, Syracuse, Army, Duke, and then North Carolina. Now they did get worked by Louisville last year, so that'll be a big game, but that game is in Winston-Salem this weekend. So 
We, we see you, Wake. I think that's the main theme here, Mac. You know what's interesting about those games you just kind of spouted out there? Preseason, those are like walk-off wins. Now, those are a little bit more interesting games True. with how everyone is playing. But certainly, certainly manageable, and I think Wake is, is certainly playing the best out of all those teams that you just mentioned. And they do have to go to Army. That That's not a gimme either. But let's take it one week at a time, guys. That's right. Come on. Come on. We're not going to look ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's get to our third game in the Big Three. Mac, look, I want to give you all the credit because you picked this game correctly, and I did not. And I felt so badly. I apologize to Alec on Twitter. He forgave me because he's such a nice human. But Boston College beats Missouri 41-34 to in overtime. If you didn't watch this game this weekend, you missed one of the best college football games of the weekend. Mac, what impressed you about the Eagles? Physicality, physicality, yes. physicality. They played smash mouth football, and I absolutely loved it. Again, here we go. Three for three with the key so far. The key to the game for Boston College, run the Football. They just ran the yep. ball for a, a season high, 275 yards. Patrick Garwo just went nuts. 25 carries, 175 yards by himself. Had a career long 70 or 67 yards, and a uh, and a touchdown, two touchdowns. So it was awesome to see their plan of attack. The fact that they could do that, Kelly. You know that was almost my biggest concern. Is okay. We we kind of threw that smash mouth football out the window last year. Or do we have the ability to go back to that? I think what really was impressive was seeing that big offensive line be able to say, hey, we know how to do this. Run behind us all day long. We're going to be able to deliver. Dennis Grossell was exceptional. I think that that is kind of that's kind of his area. You know, 18 completions, 170 to 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Would love to have not seen that interception, which was the first play of the game for them. Was a terrible decision, was a terrible throw. So outside of that, he he played a great game. Um, and then defensively just swagged out. I mean, th- this team, that, that's the biggest difference for me, other than schematically on offense, just the, the swag that you see from these guys. We haven't seen that from Boston College maybe ever with, with just the confidence that these guys play with. Uh, Sebastian coming down with the game-winning interception, just acting like that's, that's how they're supposed to do it. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, was really impressed with this game. And then one more nugget before we move on to – you know, maybe some coaching sound and, and interesting comments made by the Mizzou staff. Uh, uh-huh. If you are an ACC player playing an SEC opponent and you come on this podcast, you won't lose. We're undefeated. We're 2-0. and Kenny? Yep. And now and Alex. Alex. So the, oh, the Gramlick and Mac Lane you know, podcast is undefeated in the SEC right now. So you know, not saying, I'm just saying. But you are saying. <laughs> and uh, these are facts. You can't dispute facts. Mac, I think also with BC, like you said, they ran the ball incredibly well. And so when you look at this matchup with Clemson, with Clemson possibly missing Brzee and missing Tyler Davis, BC can run it. Clemson cannot at this point. And Grossell, you're right. He, they're asking him to, to truly manage the game. And I thought he did a really good job of that. Basilek was really good for Missouri, but they just couldn't run it. And, Mac, I was very impressed with the fact I, – I don't know how Missouri was able to get that field goal off. Like, credit to Missouri at the end for, for tying it up. But the fact that BC didn't crumble after that, went out, got the ball first, scored, the crowd was rocking. I thought that was a big kind of culture statement from BC that they didn't fold. Yeah, well, I'll tell you how they did it. Was beautiful execution of a one minute drill. I mean, they walked oh, on the field. It was so well done. It, it was crazy, and that it, it's hard to defend, Kelly. That I, I can tell you in my career, 
any time that we were in two minute situation, whether it was going into half or or to win a game, I mean, I was like, man, this is over. I mean, we're going to kill y'all. We're going to go so fast. We're going to be well, so efficient. You also efficient. had Deshaun Watson well, and I mean, Taj Boyd. That makes so. it super easy, by the way. But <laughs> you, you just, you, it's different for an offense because you're just rolling and you're in yeah. rhythm. So certainly if you get smacked right in the mouth, maybe that puts a hindrance on it. Uh, but it's just something that when you get into that vibe, you get into that rhythm, it feels so easy. So you're right. A big time response from, you know, BC and really just being able to hold on. I mean, Mizzou scored. 17 fourth quarter points and and really was storming back. Probably shouldn't have been as close as it, as it was there, uh, but a great job to hold on overtime, get the dub, the biggest win for Coach Halfley in, in his you know short coaching career at Boston College. Do we think Drinkwitz is going to schedule BC again or not? Nah? I think that he needs to get out of that UMass game that he has. He's pl- scheduled to play in UMass in like three Wait, years. What? So. Oh yeah, yeah. Dude. I don't know what they're doing in Missouri, but uh, probably when you play that game, probably you know easier to win. But I probably wouldn't go disrespecting the great state of Massachusetts uh, when I go up there. It is a great state. <laughs> Ask Alec; he he would say it's a great state. Exactly. He Shout loves out it. To Alec. He can bake for you. I hope he's baking something great for himself tonight. A, a victory cake, he if you will. He deserves it. He deserves it. His mom <laughs> even tweeted at us on Twitter. She was so nice. She was like, "Thanks for the love." <laughs> And I said, if, I if hear you can Ms. really Lindstrom, bake. Yeah, Miss Lindstrom, if, if you're listening right now, uh, we can send you our address. We'd love some oh cookies or some baked treats, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> that would be amazing. We have no shame, obviously. Okay, Mac, our final game here in the Big Four Breakdown. Louisville wins at Florida State. Now, this game was very close at the end. Louisville dominated for most of the game, but FSU stormed back. Louisville wins 31-23. to Nice bounce back from Louisville. They've won three in a row since their Ole Miss loss. Florida State is 0-4 as this conference continues to make no sense. What were your takeaways from this game, Mac? Yeah, really just impressed with with Louisville. You know, I wanted to see how are you going to play on the road going to FSU. Can you keep the offense going or is it going to be you know more like last year where it's, okay, we'll see a good performance and then a terrible performance and be all over the field. So great to see Louisville going back-to-back here. Such a fast start, 17 quick points, Kelly. I mean, we turned the TV on. It's already 14-0. to We're just like, whoa, you know, look out. It's, it's about to be a track meet. And then FSU, you know, able to slow them down a little bit, get get their feet wet and score 13 in the second. Uh, but, but you know, Malik Cunningham is, is just – he's so special. And it's so good to be seeing him playing – to his old self, to kind of his 2019 self, 300 total yards, four total touchdowns, just playing very efficiently right now. And here we go again, the keys of the game. Be explosive on offense, score, they can't keep up. That's exactly what happened. And then for FSU, contain Cunningham, they weren't able to do that, lose the game. So we're batting 1,000 today. I feel feel really good about Friday and our keys to the game there. Uh, But really the most impressive thing that – I wasn't maybe expecting to see was the Louisville defense playing the way that they did. Six sacks, 11, 11 tackles for loss, a pick to really seal the game. Keytrail Clark, my God, Kelly, he is so fun to watch. I mean, he, he is going to be probably first round draft pick, maybe top 15. This kid is playing out of his mind. Really just, just an absolute baller, ball hawk, physical guy at the cornerback position. ACC is going to be loaded up with some corners in this NFL draft. Can't wait to see it uh, when we get there in a couple months. Quick question with Louisville. I just wonder if you've ever experienced this because after the game, you know, Florida State, had they did make some good adjustments and held Louisville to zero points in the second half, which is crazy. But Malik Cunningham said they definitely made adjustments. I think we relaxed a bit on offense. We kind of laid back a little bit 
and thought the game was over. We have to finish games. Did you ever experience that as a player where you just boat race a team in the first half and the second half you're kind of like, all right, we, we're on cruise control and then it maybe can bite you? Yeah, no, no. There's certainly times and even times where you start putting your second team in and then they start scoring yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, now we have to go back out there and, and, and finish this off. So that I think is what is so interesting again about you know college football, that, that it's so unique. It's such just a different game because there's this wide spectrum of talent and execution and all these different things. But um, when you look at FSU, one positive, if I, if I could say one, McKenzie Milton looked much better. He looked like the QB that we thought he could be, making really big-time throws down the field, pushing the ball. And then the run game for FSU. We, we really preached on the huddle, run the football. You have a couple of really special, really a trio now of special running backs if that's just what you have to turn into and be, be it. Just do it. Just find ways to win, um, and, and we'll see if they're able to uh, to do that and squeak some out. That UMass game, looking like the only guaranteed one right now, which you know we kind of talked about. It's a must we win. Talked about. Must win. Must win. All right, Max, speed round. Let's run through the rest of these games. We do need to hit on the UNC loss. Or really, let's phrase it, the Georgia Tech win, Mac. Um, but let's start with Syracuse getting it done. The non-conference record for the Atlantic Coast Conference this week. Syracuse defeats Liberty. And look, Liberty's a pretty good team. We're not saying it's the best win ever, but it's a good win for Syracuse. Duke beats Kansas. All right. And they cover, actually. <laughs> and, of course, Boston College beats Missouri. So look at that. A banner week. I, I was happy to see Syracuse get it done. I feel like Syracuse overall, Mac, their defense and, you know, Sean Tucker, of course, but they're just they're playing with so much more life and effort than they did last year. And it's just nice to see these guys have some success because you can tell they really are putting in the effort. And it's nice to see that effort and, and playing hard equal wins because we said that at times last year and, and even this year we, we said it when when they you know had their loss to Rutgers that they're playing hard they're they're playing yeah, really Rutgers hard was, and last year sometimes Mac though I, I think because they had so many COVID issues they had injuries they had guys opt out I think it was just tough for Dino Babers to keep that team together last year. Well, and they were installing a brand new defense right. over Zoom and and figuring out that defense now is special and maybe ending up as one of the best in the country or the conference, excuse me, when you see what they're able to do, six sacks on one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the country with Malik Willis, really did a great job of containing him and shutting him down, especially in the first half. Then he kind of came back to life and, and tried to make this thing really interesting because he's that good of a player. But man, it, it starts and ends with Mikel Jones over on the defense, the linebacker for Syracuse. Such a special player, can fly all around the field, really. And, and what's funny is, you know, I kind of had him listed as a safety type going into the season just because I thought he would transition to, you know, maybe that rover type position. He's a true linebacker, plays right in the box, is hard-nosed, will hit you right in the mouth between the tackles and can run in coverage. I think he's going to be a, a top prospect you know, coming from Syracuse in a couple of years here. And then, uh, you know, a couple uh, emergence of a cornerback like Chestnut, who outside of one play looked really, really good. And then Garrett Williams. So, you know, this defense has superstar power. Love to see them emerging and, and what they're able to do. And then, as you mentioned it, on that offensive side of the ball, Sean Tucker, I mean, just give him the rock. And I've joked right. about it. I, I've joked about it a couple of times that it honestly does not matter who plays quarterback. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm now very serious. Just get him the ball. I don't care who you have at quarterback. Put him at quarterback. Get an extra blocker in there. 
Because he's that Greg good. Bring Greg Paulus back. Right, whatever you have to do. Off to <laughs> Go to the Duke basketball roster. Get their best player. <laughs> bring him to play quarterback. Have Buddy Beheim just hand the ball that's off a, to that's Sean. That's not a bad idea. He can probably quarterback sneak. Jim Beheim is like. Heck no. <laughs> so very, very impressed with what we saw from Syracuse. Uh, Duke getting a huge win. If you guys remember my notes from Look Friday, you, uh, it said, please just win for the love of the conference. Just do it. And, uh, and they covered. They did. A slow start. I mean, Kansas put up 24 quick. Yeah. And I think Kansas averaged like 12 a game. So they doubled their average in one half. But then the Duke defense remembered how to play, held those guys to nine in the second half. And really, I, I've been really impressed with Duke. Now, I, I get it. Their non-con has, has been – you know, super weak, uh, according to, to FBI and, and all these different things. They did lose to Charlotte, which honestly was probably the best team that they've played to date. Uh, but they're effective and they're efficient on offense. Going to be really exciting to see. So they play Carolina this week. Going to be their first really big test since that Charlotte game. Will be interesting to see. Can they keep it up, keep it going? And then we got to talk about it. Speaking of Carolina. Let's mm. talk about this game, Mac. Played Georgia lights Tech. out. Oh, my gosh. Dang. So fun. So fun. And fourth quarter, 18 points in the fourth quarter to really just finish them is all I can say. And put a dominant exclamation point on that game, Kelly, was so fun to watch. So I I rewatched this game, okay, and was able to to rewatch it today. And a few things stood out to me. A, and we have talked about this, Mac, I think you have talked about this on our podcast more than any analyst in the world has talked about this. Sam Howell has a fumble problem. He does. And I know we talked about this last week, how he's running the ball more. He lost some weight. He is a good athlete. Like, he can get out there and get you some yards. But three fumbles, I mean, that was the problem. He has a fumble problem. And to me, that was at the top of the scouting report for Georgia Tech. Get that ball out of his hands because he will. And I thought those changed the game. And then the other point that I stood out to me, Mac, and you tell me, I thought Georgia Tech just physically manhandled North Carolina. They were the more physical team. They stopped the run. They took the ball from Howell. They just, they were dominant, Mac. It was crazy. It really was. And and I think what you just said there about the fumbling was right on top of the list saying, hey, guys, go punch it out. He's going to run it. We can get this ball back. And that's exactly what they're able to do. Three fumbles, three recoveries by Georgia Tech, and and just the defensive effort that we've seen from those guys in back-to-back weeks now, not as impressive against Clemson. It still is just because of the name and the brand, but this one right here, to hold those guys to 22 points and and really just, they had no answers for you. And and I think what Georgia Tech did a great job is, number one, get after the quarterback, eight sacks, Kelly. Yeah. Eight. And it wasn't... He had no chance. He had no chance. But the the crazy thing was, it's not like we're sending eight guys. They did exactly what Virginia Tech did and just said, okay, go to a certain point and just wait and just sit there and he's going to run right into you. And he did it eight times. It was crazy to see the similarities and and how identical almost it was to that Virginia Tech game and another huge number. I think they had six that first game, had eight this game. Just a great defensive effort from Georgia Tech to make all these plays back-to-back weeks. We we talk about all these defense. I mean, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, I mean, right up there making some noise on the national level. And then I, what I thought was the highlight of this game outside of defense was Jeff Sims coming back, reminding us who the heck he is, just really dominant through yeah. the air, 10 of 13, and then on the ground, 10 carries, 128 rushing yards, an exclamation point run to finish the game, saying, hey, this is our house, this is our dub, 
We'll see you all later. Jeff Sims, we talked about him in the preseason, and we said, look, he's a freak athlete, but it comes down to accuracy. Can he make all the throws? And he he made some big throws in the game, but and I'm not trying to take away from what he did. This is this I mean this in an absolute complimentary way. He may be the best athlete, top to bottom, in this entire football. No league. question. He's a freak. Yeah. I mean, he's special. Yeah. And so if you bait on the fake handoff, I, I mean, pfft, you're done. He's going to go score. And it's just no room for error for the defense with Jeff Sims. He was impressive. And I think, you know, that athlete thing is is really indicative of their whole team. I mean, Gibbs is an athlete. Sims is an athlete. Carter, McGowan, just all these guys everywhere you look, you're just like, man, these guys are freaky. And right. I think that's a big, you know, shout out and, and testament to to their, uh, you know, strength staff and the way that they work these guys and, and just how they can get them in the, in the weight room and get so much more out of them. But Man, Georgia Tech, impressive. I wish, I wish, I wish we found a way to not lose that freaking game week one. How much more excited would we be about them right now? I still, I'm getting there. I'm right on the fringe of saying, okay, you know, forget week one. Let's get get going. Uh, But that was a bad loss. And then really the, Kelly, the curse of North Carolina being ranked, going on the road and getting waxed. It's just, it's happened like the last five years, the last four years. they, They just have this curse cannot get over it for whatever reason and uh you know really big uphill battle for for our two favorites going into yep. this season North Carolina and Clemson both two and two both unranked both at the the middle of the pack and and Carolina at the bottom of their division coastal chaos atlantic anarchy mac i'm already coining this term and i think we should get t-shirts made the georgia <laughs> tech pit game this saturday i am dubbing it the bad loss bowl. Oh, okay. I like that's that. That's what these two teams are. We <laughs> like we would be so much more excited about these teams if they hadn't had these absolutely atrocious losses. Facts. So way to go, guys. But <laughs> still excited about this game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Mac, any thoughts on the other games we saw? Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett's out here just uh, he's his numbers are insane. They blew out New Hampshire. Miami, good bounce back. They paid this poor team like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to come down here and have a glorified and scrimmage. play for like twelve hours. Virginia by Tech. the way, <laughs> with the weather delay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And then Virginia Tech. They. It felt like this was kind of a letdown game for them. They got it done, but it was kind of hideous. What were your main takeaways from those games, Matt? Yeah, for Pitt, the, the biggest thing of this year was good to see their defense bounce back, number one. That was, that's been an embarrassing two, three-game stretch for those guys. But Kenny Pickett, my, my biggest critique, if you guys remember, I, I keep referencing the summer just because things are coming back to life right now in front of our eyes, was Kenny, get the ball in the end zone, throw touchdowns. Right. His most like for his single-season single season career was like 12. He's had 11 in two games. So that, that he's checking that box. He's throwing strikes. He's throwing touchdowns. Really impressive to see his production. I don't think anybody in the country is going to benefit more from coming back this year. He is making than Kenny himself I, I think some he's, cash money. Oh yeah. Super cash. Yeah. Uh, when you have the support or m- maybe even recommendation of Peyton Manning uh, to these NFL teams, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And then Peyton can say, look at these stats. Look at this jump that he made. What a great business decision. Virginia Tech, y'all are suspect, man. <laughs> I don't know what to think of you guys. I really don't. You, you've got injuries on the offensive line. We've got people having to play all over the place. We've got quarterback controversy. We put in our backup, like third-string quarterback. He throws a pick. They score on the next play. Uh, it's just more of the same. Hope they can figure it out. Maybe they can. You know, we're going to be there in in two weeks when they play Notre Dame live. So can't wait to see that game. But 
the defense is, has been fun to watch, but just overall, it, it's it's a strange vibe. And, and hope that they can figure it out. And then Miami, not much you can tell of this game other than the future is is bright at the quarterback position. Uh, Van Dyke, Garcia, super effective and efficient, like 85% passing completions, 700-something yards, and you know, like six or seven touchdowns between the two of those guys. So impressive to see that. Another interesting week. It was a good week. Yep. It was a good week in the Chaos ACC. Chaos and anarchy, y'all. That's right. You got to love it. Embrace it. You got to love it. It's going to be a crazy year. And, you know, each week we'll be right here with you guys. So we got a big guest on Wednesday. You're not oh, going to want to yes. miss it. This KG, so good. KG's jacked up for this. And and really, it, it's it's a ever college football landscape changing kind of interview you guys you're not going to want to miss it but guys thanks for listening if you haven't already go over to itunes subscribe to our podcast drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review we would greatly appreciate that but until next time we'll see y'all